0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we
1: We we live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets for the latest and the greatest from the Charlotte Hornets universe I'm Doug Branson joined by the man the myth the legend David Walker good morning Doug good morning we've got a lot to get to David so we're going to jump right into it let's start with the sudden news we got yesterday as the Charlotte Hornets were getting their summer league training camp underway word came from the team that Malik Monk the the newest addition to the Charlotte Hornets drafted 11th overall Suffered an ankle injury in the pre-draft workout process. He will not participate in this week's training camp and is doubtful to play in Summer League beginning Saturday. Here is Hornets.com's Sam Purley with his take on the injury.
2: I don't think it's going to be a major concern. Apparently, he may be injured in a pre-draft workout with some team. Uh, And then I think during his physical yesterday, it kind of... Popped up and they just thought it was more as a precautionary to kind of hold him out from summer league. Obviously, it's it's disappointing because we all want to see him play, but at the same time, there's no need to really you know throw him out there in Orlando if it's not a, a must-win situation.
1: Monk will stay in Charlotte and rehab this injury, and that process is expected to last two to four weeks. David, this is obviously disappointing, unfortunate. What are we supposed to think about this news?
0: yeah disappointing more disappointing than anything it is kind of weird that if this was something that popped up in pre-draft workouts and then i guess flared up again like he said uh recently i mean it's kind of weird that we didn't hear anything before about it i guess but that's the only thing i mean you're not overly concerned about it at this point when I mean, you're worried about any injury but uh and you'd like to obviously like to see him out there but it doesn't sound like they're too concerned and and certainly probably the wise choice to to let him get healthy, as opposed to him playing in summer league. Even though we've talked about playing the point guard and all that stuff, it's still summer league.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he tweaked it in the pre-draft kind of workout deal, uh, the, these teams have medical records, but they don't cover obviously what happens in the pre-draft. Mr. J O B. The Hornets wouldn't get an opportunity to really get a good look at Malik in terms of his uh, in terms of uh, anything physical until yeah. that physical. So sure. then they saw it and uh, had, I guess, some concern about letting him go uh, to Orlando and participate in Summer League. That's I, right.
0: That's that's the right thing, obviously. I mean, it's Summer League, right? Like, it's a good thing we didn't go because we've been super disappointed, but uh, you want to hold him out.
1: <laughs> yeah, Coach Silas uh, spoke to the media yesterday and said uh, that, you know, he's here learning how we do things, but it's not the same when you're on the sideline instead of on the court. So, obviously, it's it's a little concerning from that perspective, but not crazy concerning. I think this could be interpreted as further evidence that he is the next Steph Curry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not
1: being completely serious here, but he is a little undersized. Range anywhere in the gym, and now you have the ankle issues, which is something that Steph Curry
0: dealt with early in his career. Sprained his ankle
1: a year after being drafted. Uh-uh. had surgery I gonna am go. not gonna do it and then sprained it again. this is clear nah, evidence to nah, me nah. that Malik monk <laughs> is the it. reincarnation right of Steph Curry.
0: that's it it's done hey I do like how he was like <laughs> he injured it with some team uh I wonder I guess we'll never know that's 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 I mean who okay. did this? Look, hey, who did hey, this did I want names. You don't think – no, I mean, th- th- this has nothing to do with, like, the slide or anything like that. This is just something that popped up. I don't this think just, so because, we, again, we don't, we don't
1: what, the Hornets didn't have an opportunity to find this until the physical. No other so team – who else would – yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was able to participate fully. You would have heard that news had Monk not been able to participate in, in further workouts unless it happened on that very last workout that he had. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I think the question is, will this – it's obviously he's not going to get a chance to participate in summer league. He's doubtful. So there is, I guess there's a chance, but if he doesn't, then the he's got
0: championship. Maybe, maybe I'll we'll, maybe we'll put him back into the championship game.
1: There you go. Bring him in like a <laughs> ringer. I like it. Um, but I guess the question is, will this hurt his playing time at the beginning of the year? Because he's going to have to get, you know, he's going, he's going to have to come into training camp and get caught up to speed very quickly.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned about it at this point. Um, He should be ready to go by training camp, so we'll just have to wait and evaluate him then. I mean, look, like summer league would be in a good chance to kind of get used to the stuff, but like, I I mean, you know, the important part is coming up, and it's and more important to have him healthy for that.
1: Daniel via email here sending us uh, his concerns, not really about Monk's playing time, but he says he's already seeing a lot of griping about Steve Clifford potentially minimizing. Malik Monk's role this season based on his absence from Summer League. Daniel goes on to write, I really love David's pre-draft dispelling of the myth that the Hornets only draft big white guys and NC <clears throat> players. I feel like another myth that gets perpetu- perpetuated is that Steve Clifford does not play rookies. I think that largely stems from Noah Vonleh's time in Charlotte. A lot of fans seem to forget he had a preseason sports hernia injury and was not NBA ready at the point in the season where uh, they could not afford to lose. Uh, but uh, Daniel saying he is seeing this sort of talk amongst Hornets fans about Steve Clifford not playing rookies. Is is it a myth? I mean, a bit of one,
0: but I do think there is some truth to that. Well, I mean, Devon Lee has a special circumstance, I think, because I don't think he was uh, ready to play or able to play and contribute. But I think he played Cody a good amount. I'd have to go back and look at the the minutes. I mean, um, I yeah, mean, Daniel has it though. here
1: and we'll have to double check, but Daniel, uh, says Cody averaged 17 minutes and Frank averaged yeah. 19.
0: Yeah. So and that's then, rotation uh, yeah, roll, bench felt roll. like it did. Yeah. I felt like it did loosen up a little bit with Frank. I mean, remember, you know, Clifford is, was a rookie coach himself, right? So maybe it took him a little time to get used to guys and, You know, we'll see. I don't think it's going to hold him back from playing Malik Monk. That's just a gut feeling I have,
1: though. Well, here's what Steve Clifford had to say uh, after Malik Monk was drafted when he met with the media.
2: The one thing that this is just from doing this for a long time is uh, if you want to have the right culture, then guys have to earn their – they have to earn their playing time.
1: And and I think that especially goes, David, for a team that is full of veterans, a team that has a core that has been together for a few years – if you rock that boat, if you decide to play that rookie significant minutes, when they haven't quote unquote earned it, then the, you better, you, you better be right.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's another thing I didn't think of the Clipper brought up. That's so bigger for them as culture. culture. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and having guys earn it. So, I mean, it's, it's a little old school, but um, I think there is, a, 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 you know, some meaning behind it. But again, I, you know, I didn't think he played Jeremy Lamb very much last year, and he's not a rookie or anything, but out of necessity, he had to. Uh, they're going to have some new guys. Malik Monk is going to play. I'm, I'm not worried about that, but, yeah, he's going to have to earn it and show that he can handle it.
1: Well, listen, I think he means earn it, like not in the, the philosophical sense of like, oh, you've got you've to gotta pay your dues or you got to bide your time, rookie. I think he means seriously <laughs> no. like earn it in training camp, show that you're yeah. ready to play on the NBA level because Steve Clifford is a big believer – in the fact that the college game and the NBA game, it, it is such a leap to get there and be ready for what you're going to face in the NBA. And I think that Clifford's the kind of coach that wants to be confident that that player is ready to go. And I think, Malink, I think Malik Monk will be ready to go. I, I think he he showed enough in college. He showed a comfort level in college that I think is going to bode well for him uh, but he's going to have to put the work in in training camp. He's going to have to show, like Clifford loves to see players get better. He loves to see players improve. And I think if he sees that improvement from Monk, then he's going to have no fears about giving him that same role, that same 17- to 19-minute role for Malik Monk, and, and they're, they will definitely need his shooting early on. So I think it is a little bit of a myth, but at the same time it's, it's rooted in a, a Clifford – not necessary and, and it's also rooted in the fact that the hornets have had a an organization that has been wanting to compete for the playoffs and that doesn't really jive with playing a rookie, you know, 30 minutes a game. David, a right. lot of this is situational.
0: Yeah, and uh he like we said he kind of listened up with Breontae Weber a little bit towards the end of the year just to kind of see what he had. I mean not not a not That's a, another not good a, point. not a true rookie, you know, but um, had some experiences, but yeah. So I think you're seeing that when he needs to, well, that um, he's going to play those guys.
1: Well, that's, that's a good point that Cody is a big Frank is a big, but it's a whole nother deal altogether with a guard, oh, because yeah. especially one in Malik Monk, who I think they expect a little bit of ball handling duties out of not a lot. He's not going to run the, the second unit offense, but w- I think we've seen Clifford definitely be, very careful about who he allows to run the offense and who he allows to organize the offense. So from that perspective, I think it will be interesting to watch how he deals with a rookie guard. Although he mentioned P.J. in that press conference as well, who struggled in his first year, and then by his second year, was a starter (laughs) due to the MKG injury, but he trusted P.J. to come out there in his second year. And again, a lot of that is... Seeing the improvement, seeing the commitment—that's what Clifford wants to see. Not necess- I don't think it's a situation where, again, where a coach is going, "Well, rookie's got to bide his time." That's a lot like a Larry Brown situation.
0: No, it's not. Not to that degree. I don't think so either. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. There's a little bit, a little bit of myth, a little bit of truth to it, but I think it's rooted. And, and just like you said, his, his philosophy and building for the culture.
1: Back to this Malik Monk thing, David, who will you be interested to watch in summer league now that, because I think all of the attention was going to be on Malik Monk, obviously. And, yeah. and if he doesn't play at all, who will you be interested to watch in this summer league?
0: It's the Dwayne Bacon show, 100%. I mean, we talked about it yesterday, that they don't have a lot of big name guys coming in because of these two draft picks. Um, so I think really, it, which is a shame that uh, Monk won't be there. Um, obviously, but I think Bacon will will clearly get a bulk of the attention mm, now.
1: Bacon.
0: Mm, we love Bacon.
1: I'll be interested to see what Bacon does with the opportunity, but I think I'm going to be watching for Johnny O'Brien, the third. Jonathan Triple Sticks. Mr. J-O-B. 6'9", and, and 257 and pounds.
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- Weber's going to be there too, right?
1: Weber's going to be there too.
0: Yeah. yeah so and that's and we'll need, I think, him. again, we'll need yep.
1: to submit what we just talked about his ability to run the offense. But I'm going to be watching Johnny O'Brien. He was a second-round pick in 2014. Split time between multiple NBA teams and D-League teams. Was a D-League all-star last season before being acquired by the Hornets on a 10-day contract in late February. All of the hope, all of the promise of what Johnny O'Brien could bring to the Hornets rest on one game last season, March 4th in Denver. The Hornets desperate for a win, and he scores 15 points Knocks down a three, gives Nikola Jokic hell with his physical defense, and helps the Hornets get a W. Unfortunately, he'd go down to an ankle injury a few days later and would not play again for the remainder of, of the season. Yeah, that was just the story of the Hornets uh, front court rotation. But he was—he's been a mainstay in the gym during the Hornets draft workouts already this off season. He's working with uh, new assistant coach Mike Batiste. A lot. I'll be looking for that same energy level that he showed in that one game and the confidence that he showed in Denver with hopefully a little more skill and polish offensively. So I want to see the energy that he showed on defense against Jokic, but I, I'm, I'm looking for a little more skill, a little more polish, a little more comfort level with him in his offensive game because in those those 15 points, a lot of that was scrambling, a lot of that, was. it just didn't look as, as polished as you would want from a, bi, from a big, and I think that's a lot of what Mike Batiste has been working with him on uh, this summer. Johnny O'Brien, how do you do? Before we get to our guest, Sam Purley, you heard from him earlier, Hornets.com, Hornets Insider. He's got a lot of good thoughts on Dwight Howard, on Malik Monk, but I have to give a shout out to Keith and Nick, who became $5 contributors On our Patreon page. If you haven't heard about Patreon, it is a way for you to contribute to the show, to help keep our hive alive, keep our lights on, help pay our bills. We actually do have bills. We use services and rent equipment to make this the best Hornets coverage anywhere. And it's a way for you to help us out. Patreon.com forward slash L-O-H. But Keith and Nick, uh, $5 contributors, shout out to them. And then Raymond, Mike, and Russell also became Hardcore Hornets fans, thank you all so much for your support. And we've got to do something special for those for those five dollar contributors. That's the other thing. If you sign up on Patreon, uh, you you get member benefits, and the five dollar contributors get a discount on our merchandise, and they also get double entered in all of our giveaways. We give away prizes during the season. If you didn't listen last year, I think we sent we sent eight to ten people to games. Because we, I think we gave away four or five games last season. I'm going to say this now. I'm going to spoil this. Uh, we're giving away more games next yeah. season, even more. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking double. I'm thinking we give away anywhere from eight to ten games next season. So and and these are really these are great seats. Uh, so uh, check the check us out patreon.com forward slash loh. It doesn't matter how much you give, uh, it it definitely helps us out, and we really appreciate it. And you're going to get uh, content and and lots more with Patreon. All right, let's get to our guest, Sam Purley, Hornets.com insider. I got a chance to sit down with him uh, yesterday to discuss Malik Monk, Dwight Howard, and uh, Summer League. Check it out. Well, let's start with Malik Monk. Uh the they make him the draft pick at 11 when the pick was made, what were your initial thoughts?
2: Um excitement. I think this is this is a player that uh can really couldn't really make a difference this first year. We've all kind of seen the tapes of him at Kentucky. I mean, he was on that team was you know, extremely talented, and he, and he stuck out for good reason. I mean, he was the second-leading scorer in the nation last year amongst freshmen, I think all behind Fultz. Uh, he led the SEC in three-point field goals, and this guy is off-the-charts talented. He's still obviously very relatively young, but I think, and he, as you've kind of seen with the, the attitude he brings, he's very confident. He definitely brings a, a sense of swagger and, uh, you know, overall confidence to this team that I think is really – um, you know, not necessarily players don't have, but you know, it's always good to have a player like that coming in ready to go and saying things like I'm going rookie of the year and stuff like that. I think that's really awesome for this organization to have a guy like that coming in.
1: Yeah, supreme confidence and I, I don't think that the, the team uh, lacked confidence, but there was a certain low-key element to this team. They've been building that similar kind of personality and I think with bringing both Monk and Dwight Howard in, they've they've definitely upped the just sort of outgoing, I guess, uh, extrovert element to this team.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And like like you said, I think this team has had leadership. Kemba and MTG, Nick, and these guys have been great leaders. But, um, you know, they kind of just do it in a different manner. And there's nothing wrong with that. But having guys like this, Dwight, um, Malik, kind of coming in, and they're, and they're different players, I think that that level of confidence and that, that attitude and that, you know, refuse to lose minds that we saw with Dwight, displaying yesterday in his press conference is, is something the team could really use to their advantage
1: and yeah how about the Dwight Howard acquisition uh, a lot of questions about you know what how he how much he can contribute this late in his career what do you what are your thoughts on on what Dwight has done over the past few seasons his entire career and what he can do for the Hornets next season
2: well I mean I think he can obviously still contribute I think the numbers show that I think it's you know, it's it's a little unrealistic to suggest that he's going to be the Dwight Howard that he was in the 2007 to 12 range when he was arguably one of the top two or three players in the league as a whole. I mean, he was on a completely different level of domination that mind. But um, he's been his numbers have been kind of stayed steady the last few years. I think he's had some back injury. He had the back injury in Los Angeles, I think, and it took him a little while to kind of get over that. But for the most part, he's been relatively consistent i mean maybe because he doesn't get he isn't doing what he once was maybe that's why people have kind of written him off a little bit but you look at his numbers i mean he's 13 12 and one block last year um and age 31 he shot 62 percent from the field i mean these are numbers that i think any of us would sign up for every day of the week he doesn't have to be the dwight he was in orlando and i don't think steve clifford will ask him to be for that matter
1: Uh, Absolutely. And I I think he just gives the team a different kind of element that they haven't had, that dominant post presence that they really haven't had uh, since Al Jefferson. Cody Zeller, just a different kind of center and and, and maybe just as valuable to them. And now you've got uh, uh, two presences down low that give you something a little bit different, uh, but just as important.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think that level of physicality was something I think Clifford was looking for a lot last year. And, you know, at times he got it, but this is just, I think when you throw Dwight in there and you throw Malik in there, it was the combinations of lineups. Now, especially when you go to the bench, it's going to be so much more, it's going to give Clifford and the rest of the coaches have so many more options. Can we go small and do a Kemba, Nick Malik, MKG, Marvin kind of lineup. I mean, or we could go big and do Cody. And I mean, I think he said yesterday, similar to what Oklahoma city does with, Ennis Cantor and Steve Adams do Dwight and Cody in there. I mean, it's that's, I think, kind of the most appealing aspect of all these of these two major additions is just the options it's going to give Steve Clifford now based on whichever team he's going against.
1: Yeah, it gives him a lot of options, and I think there's been a lot of talk about how uh, much Clifford can get out of Dwight Howard, maybe different than some of his past destinations because of their history together. What's the sense of uh, that you've gotten over the past few days of the relationship between Steve Clifford and Dwight Howard?
2: Well, talking in years past when Dwight has played here, um, you could always tell Clifford's talks very fondly of him. They spent six years together all together. And I was really kind of surprised, uh, or at least impressed with sort of the emotional connection I think they had. I think Dwight really opened up about um, you know, when he was in Los Angeles and he had the injury and uh, Clifford was, I think he says, got never turned my back his back on me, never spoke negatively about me, he was always positive, he was always there for me. And Uh, you could really kind of see Dwight open up a little bit and say this is a guy that he has a huge admiration for and has really kind of stuck with him through, um, you know, his years in L.A. and Houston and stuff like that. So I think that impressed me a lot, and I think that sort of um, relationship and synergy between the two is going to be really, really beneficial for Dwight. I think think this is going to be a great, great location for him.
1: Who do you think will benefit most from the acquisition of Malik Monk? And then who do you think will benefit most uh, player wise from the acquisition of Dwight Howard? I think the
2: biggest benefit of Malik will probably be Kemba. I think maybe as we saw last year at times when Kemba went to the bench, it was, and you brought in that second unit, the scoring kind of deteriorated a little bit. And I think, having a guy that's going to come off that bench, you can easily, I and mean, we saw him in, in Kentucky, the 47 point game. He had. I mean, this guy can light it up, come in and knock down a few threes, very similar to Jeremy Lin's effect um, a couple years ago. You know, that's going to, I think take pressure off Kemba. So Kemba doesn't sit on the bench and then come back to the next game or come back when it's time to come back in, uh, you know, left with a six point lead. Now we're down 10, you know, it's, it's going to take some of the responsibility off of him. And I think, Rightfully so. I think that'll benefit him. Um, and I think the addition of Dwight is, is going to benefit everybody. But I think it can have a really good effect on Cody Zeller. Um, I think Cody is still relatively young. I think he's entering his fifth year in the league. Dwight's entering his 14th, I think. And, you know, Dwight's not going to be here forever. He's You know, he's signed for two more years. Who knows where, how long he's going to play in the NBA, how long his body holds up. But I think the kind of impact he's going to have on Cody when he's here could be really great in setting up Cody even longer after Dwight's gone.
1: So with the addition of Malik Monk and Dwight Howard, uh, is this? I mean, is this enough? Do you think for for the Charlotte Hornets to get back to the playoffs? Um,
2: yeah, I wouldn't say it's enough. I still think you, you've kind of got that. I think Clifford addressed it in the uh, the post Dwight Howard trade press conference the other day, uh, or the post draft. One of them. Um, that they're still looking. They're still looking to add more pieces. I don't. I think you could maybe said the same thing last year and then you go into the season and things happen. I mean, Cody got hurt, you know, Vermont sessions got hurt. I mean, stuff can take place. I think you always want to have options. And Clifford said yesterday that you got to have a lot of smart players and you got to have a lot of good players to compete in this league because things happen and guys might be, the injuries might take place and other guys might be forced to, you know, conform to roles that are outside of their norm. Um, so I think that that backup point guard position is still kind of the main, um, target right now, but it's, uh, you know, a week ago, if you had told me these are going to be the improvements or this is what was going to happen in the next week, I would have said, you know, that's a great, great first step to kind of get back to the playoffs for sure.
1: Looking ahead to Summer League, obviously no Malik Monk, so that's, uh, that's a disappointment, but what are some other things that fans could look for in Summer League if they tune in? Well, this
2: year in particular, obviously the Malik Monk absence is going to be disappointing, but we do have Dwayne Bacon going. Um, he's second round pick this year. And we they have three guys that are right now on non-guaranteed deals going into next season and Trayvon Graham, Briante Weber, and Johnny O'Brien. Um, and then we have a handful of other guys that have kind of spent either, you know, done time with the swarm or been overseas or did training camp last year or some league last year. So I think it's going to be a really competitive, uh, atmosphere. I think there's a lot of guys trying to get on this team. Um, and you know, you've got. O'Brien, Weber, and Graham, they're all trying to guarantee their spot in the fall. Um, And I think that competition is going to bring the breast out of everybody. I think um, in years past, we might not have had uh, as strong a team as this overall, but I think this year is – I think it's going to be a really competitive situation for a lot of players, and hopefully they they benefit from that competition.
1: Big thanks again to Sam Purley from Hornets.com for his thoughts. David, let's move into free agency now. The Chicago Bulls have declined the $4.1 million qualifying offer on Michael Carter Williams, making him an unrestricted free agent. Should, be, should he be on the Hornets' radar for that backup point guard position?
0: Oh, man. I mean, given the situation, I think he has to be, but I'm just not a fan of uh, his game and some of the struggles that he's had, especially recently, Doug. I mean, Unfortunately, he's gotten worse every year he's been in the league, uh, bottoming out last year in Chicago, struggling to find any consistency.
1: Buying for low. For any time, really. Buying low. It this It couldn't what be they any do. lower, man.
0: It could not be any lower. I mean, the guys they chose to keep – now, I haven't dug into all of the you know, the happenings with the Chicago Bulls, and Lord knows uh, they've got some stuff going on. But they, they decided to keep Cameron Payne, Jerry and Grant – and they had a loaded
1: they had a loaded and yeah they have like court.
0: six backup point guards but one of the other guys and, and I, really knew I was gonna forget him but i did write it down for you dog because i know how you like the preparation uh chris <lasting sound> dunn
1: chris dunn <laughs> they just traded they just traded for that guy
0: Yeah, uh, who was horrible last year. So they felt better about keeping (laughs) those three guys. The more red flags for me, uh, as as his minutes have gone down, so has his production every year, which kind of makes sense, but it's really been horrible. Uh, His next team will be his fourth team in five years, Doug. For a point guard that was rookie Mm -hmm. of the year, this will be his Mm -hmm. fourth team in five years. And the point guard, God, whisperer, Jason Kidd, wanted basically nothing to do with him after he was in Milwaukee for a little bit uh, they shipped him on out and decided to hand the keys to Malcolm Brogdon who went on to become rookie of the year. So, um, well, I, I just think Michael uh, Carter Williams was
1: rookie of the year too.
0: Exactly. Um, and people are saying <laughs> that Brogdon was the worst one since, uh, MCW, <laughs> M- 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 but really, you know, um, I was going back and forth with our guy Hornets, Hornets spot Hornets S- spot shot. You know what I'm talking?
1: Yeah. Hornets, that sounds. That sounds I, right. I
0: always get it wrong. I always get it wrong. Anyway, uh, but but he but he said what I had said for so long was that, that you know it can't get any worse than Ramon Sessions. Anything is basically um, Hornets spot. Hornets sports spot. <laughs> <laughs> it can It can't get any worse than Ramon. And guess what? If you compare their two years, last year Ramon and MCW Sessions was just a hair better in a lot of areas per 36 minutes and per 100 possessions specifically. His PER was better. Um, And if you just look at the raw numbers, they're eerily similar. Both had about six points a game. Michael Carter-Williams had about a a half a turnover more. Uh, But the shooting is just deplorable. I mean, he is not a threat. Forget the three-point line. He's not a threat to score outside the paint and barely outside of three feet. I mean, he shoots like under 30% once you get them outside of, you know, Not three good. to 10 feet. So now, now look, the upside of that, they don't want whoever they bring in really to have to score yep. or to score. They want, they want them to run the offense and distribute, you know, I, you know, I think so Michael can Carter, Williams, Carter
1: Williams do that. Uh, yeah, I, I think that I think you're right. It comes down to how big a priority is shooting from the point guard position. They needed it last season, because of the loss of Courtney Lee and Jeremy Lin combined with the regressions from Marvin Williams and Jeremy Lamb, if they improve, if Marvin and Jeremy continue their improvement, plus Kaminsky shoots it as well as he did post All Star break, and you add Malik Monk shooting, then shooting from your point guard position, scoring in general might ne- might not necessarily be a huge priority from them for yeah for them for the team. Uh, his synergy rates, Michael Carter Williams, 71st percentile defensively. And that makes sense. He's six, lo- a huge yeah. wingspan. I mean, he covers a lot of ground very quickly, but he's 8th percentile offensively. Like, he gives you absolutely zero offensively. Nothing. And I keep watching this video, David, of him running a four-on-one fast break for Chicago. No. And don't, the one – have you seen this? The one <laughs> yes. is Ricky Rubio. And he tries this fancy pass. Four on one fast break. You've got three oh. options. He finds the sideline turnover.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like if this the scoring is one thing, like that's a huge problem. But but, but the other Decision areas make. of the game
1: confidence. Yeah, the,
0: the, other, the other area the confidence has got to be in the basement at this point. I mean, unfortunately for this guy, they're kind of bad, but um and, and you know, reclamation season could be back, so they may take a chance to look at him, but it's just last year was so bad uh, in Chicago, and like you said, the decision making is is not there. It wasn't there last year. Now maybe they can build that back up, but man, I mean, it's not just the shooting. Like the shooting's bad, but the other areas of the game are not consistently good enough to feel comfortable with running him out there. And just like last year, like Clifford said, whoever this guy is, or whoever the backup units are for behind Kimba, Kimba's gonna play a bulk of the minutes. But you gotta have somebody out there. It's not going to have a, a massive drop off, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I mean, I don't know if Michael Carter Williams can provide it. You like the height and you like the potential on defense, but man, uh, the other areas of the game are, are lacking right now.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see them not buy low on this particular uh, position. I'd like them to find someone who uh, had a had a decent year. Again, the it's the, so the market the market is not very good, but uh-huh. I think. What you're looking for in that point guard position is not necessarily on the stat sheet. It's not necessarily shooting. It's not necessarily assist to turnover ratio. I, I think you're looking for uh, competence, basketball IQ. I think you're looking for confidence. Confidence and competence, I think, are the two things that you're looking for out of this backup point guard position. And so I, that's why I sort of I moved to a guy like Shelvin Mack, who mm-hmm. may be wants to do a little bit too much offensively for what they're trying to do, but I think has had a decent year for Utah. It can play defense and I I think is going to be confident uh, going into this next season. And I think he can run an offense. So again, we'll, 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 we'll keep an eye on this again, a trade is obviously an option as well. So maybe they can find a way to bring someone in that they wouldn't be able to get in free agency, we will keep an eye on it. Michael Carter Williams will definitely be available for, for a price that they the can Hornets can afford. <laughs> I
0: think they can take their time too. Like, yeah. And they're, they're not gonna be not gonna be a lot of people jumping all, all over it. But yeah, that's the other thing. They cut him at four point one. So he's he's in their range.
1: All right, let's Hornets, end this,
0: let's sports th- spot. Hornets you got sports.
1: it. Okay. It was important that you got it. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm glad for you. Yeah, (laughs) Let's end with something fun. We talked briefly about the NBA Awards yesterday and completely forgot to mention, hey, the Most Valuable Player Award. Congratulations to Russell Westbrook. Great speech. He's a friend of the show. Got the win. (laughs) Hornets owner Michael Jordan didn't forget about Russ. He sent him a congratulatory gift that included a personal note that said, quote, I got my first MVP award before my first ring, too. Keep going! Exclamation point, and it was in all caps. You know who is good at basketball? Michael Jordan. David, what do we think about Jordan giving some props to Russell Westbrook? He's a Jordan brand guy, so this makes some sense.
0: Yeah, he's the Jordan brand guy. They sent him the, also a little gift. The the guy, he's the flagship guy. Um, they sent him a, p- a pair of shoes. You're not, you know, hyper sitting down. They sent him a pair, several pairs of shoes. Really? But the pack, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the pack was. Uh, so a pair of Air Jordan 31s. Okay, stay with me. And then two pairs of Air Jordan 10s. So you got 31, 10, 10. Triple. You, you see the triple-double? Oh, my triple double. gosh. You see it? I spent
1: a lot of time thinking about it,
0: and I appreciate it. Good work. You see the synergy? I get it. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, that is cool. Yeah. Russell's been MJ's guy for, for a while. I went back and watched the video of uh, MJ actually inducting Russell Westbrook into the Oklahoma... I think it was the Sports Hall of Fame, or maybe it was just the was it the way
1: Wait, well, go back to these shoes real quick. Was it the same yeah. pair of 10s?
0: So one pair was like all uh, Thunder Blue, and the what other if, pair was all Thunder Orange.
1: What if, what if Russell was like, listen, I, I appreciate the symbolism, but I really would have liked a pair of 9s.
0: <laughs> uh, they could probably take care of them, but that wouldn't have been a triple-double, you see? You see?
1: Exactly. But what if he's like, listen, I appreciate the symbolism, but uh, I, now I have two of the same shoe."
0: I hate the (laughs) 10s. Give me some 11s. Uh,
1: So what do we think about this uh, softer side of Michael Jordan that we've been seeing uh, lately? He's been reaching out to players, showing a more public, dare I say, softer side. He brokered peace between Charles Oakley and James Dolan. He helped broker peace in the NBA's labor talks. He signed his name to the Hornets stance on the HB2 discussions. He spoke personally with Malik Monk pre-draft. He called up Dwight Howard after the trade, and Dwight said that that phone call really meant a lot to him. David, what about this uh, unique ownership situation that the Hornets have really starting to become more of a public thing?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's all usually you know, as behind the scenes as, as, as Michael Jordan can get, right. Like a lot of it's not out on, on front street. I mean, a lot of it is done um, away from the media, I guess. Um, so this notes like an example of that. And, and the other things you mentioned too. So I think he's done things like that along the way. I mean, we certainly haven't heard about everything, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think now of course too, like everybody knows everything. So we're going to see when stuff comes out, especially something as big as like HB two and the All Star Game um, and, and the Knicks situation, so um, it's good. I mean, he's in a he's he's unlike any other owner. Obviously, we said it so many times in the league. So um, he's got to throw his voice in there, right? Like if he wasn't doing anything, and that's well, it's funny. Like he gets criticized for not doing anything, and then he gets, he gets criticized for uh, sticking his nose in on too many decisions. <laughs> like those are the two things. So um, you know, I think he's always tried to do things that way, but like you know, make an impact. Um, especially once he left the game, uh, playing wise.
1: Yeah, I think the PR has been good for him over the last uh, few years, and I think that it, it's such it's so different from his playing career, where he was so like combative it was all about pl- and, com- yeah. and and it was all playing,
0: like right. th- And there wasn't and there wasn't a lot of like uh, union stance or stuff like that. And stuff was different back then, but yeah, it was all focused on on winning <laughs> everything.
1: Exactly. And now you can, I think, even just just in the past couple of years, I think even more so than when he first um, uh, got into uh, basketball executive land w- in Washington and then, and then you know, uh, got the ownership stake in Charlotte. I think it just seems like he's becoming more and more comfortable with his role as a uh, basketball diplomat, which mm-hmm. again is so different. He was not a diplomat as a player. He was a killer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it just seems he's sense.
1: becoming I think at first it may not have it didn't seem like he was very uh very public. And now it just seems like he's yeah. he's definitely doing some things uh more publicly. So interesting to see. All right. Uh thanks again uh to Sam Purley from Hornets.com. Uh thanks to all of you out there listening. Thanks again. Uh shout outs to the people who are contributing on Patreon and helping to keep our hive alive. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, give us a five-star review. That helps hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast and be like Daniel and shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again. Uh, what's today? Wednesday? Yeah, we're back again tomorrow. We'll talk some more Hornets. I'm uh, heading out to Hornets practice today to talk to Noel Gillespie, who is the head coach of the Greensboro Swarm. So I hope to have some thoughts from him on – the D League and he's been helping out a lot with the Hornets this offseason so he'll give us some thoughts on that as well Uh, for David, I'm Doug, go Hornets go America, let's swarm Charlotte